<laughs> what a powerful prayer. And I'd just like to say good morning to everybody. Thank you for having me. It is always a joy and a privilege to be here to, uh, to fellowship, to worship, and to uh, enjoy family. Amen. To God be the glory. My, my dear brother and Sergey, uh, friend and brother Sergey, uh, who um, asked me to come and I thank him. We are, we are uh, good friends and brothers and I really appreciate your pastor. He's a, a, a brother beloved, a true man of God. And I thank him and, and, and you all reflect his spirit and his character. Ultimately, we know it's all about Jesus and he is the one that makes this possible. As Brother Cliff was praying, I thought about uh, the songs that were sung and thought about the blood and there's so much going on in the world today, so much tragedy, so much pain, so much disaster. And every time he mentioned something, the praises and the tragedies and whatever, I just thought about the cross. I thought about the blood. You know, Jesus has made provisions by way of the cross. And one day, all of this will be over. One day, we shall rejoice and be united with him. And that is the encouragement. That was, is what drives me each and every day. It is the cross work of Jesus Christ. That is the answer. And that is the joy and the victory that we all have. That is our only hope. To God be the glory. I give reverence and praise to him. Now, I won't be long. I'll, I'll keep it moving. Unless you don't say amen, then it might get a, might get a, long, a little long for you, you know. No, not really. I, I, I'll, I'll, uh, there was an old wise preacher that told me that this is the way that you can um, monitor your time and stay in order um, and, and know that when it's time to cut it off. So he suggested that I put a quarter in my mouth and suck on it. And when that quarter dissolves, then that's when you know it's over. <laughs> Amen? Has anybody got a quarter? <laughs> okay. Amen. Okay. All right. I'm here to share with you what God has laid on my heart concerning the perfection of unity. And it will be coming from John, the 17th chapter, verses 20 through 23. I'll read it from the New King James Version and bear with me because uh, my eyes are not the best. <laughs> And pray for me because I'm going to have to be, I'm going to try to set up for cataract surgery and all that, that type of thing. Uh, keep living, something's going to happen. <laughs> and the body is deteriorating. You know, we are perishing. But again, thank God for the cross. Amen. In the uh, 17th chapter of, of John, uh, I'll read from the New, King, uh, the New International Version, uh, and where Jesus is praying for all believers. Verses 20 through 23, um, that this is his prayer. This is the Lord's prayer, really. The model prayer, as you know, is um, where he prays when the disciple asks Jesus to tell us, show us 
how should we pray? But this is Jesus's prayer to his father, as you know, coming straight from the heart. And it is amazing to me and a blessing that, that what God does for us is always prompted and motivated by his love, the unconditional love of our heavenly father. Jesus prays, my prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me. Wow. Hmm. That they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me so that they may be brought to complete unity. Uh, then, then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. That's mind blowing. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time. Move me out the way. After I finish, let them have the impression of you, not me. And we give you praise, glory, and honor. Let um, the words of my mouth and meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. Lord God, our Redeemer, our King, our all in all. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. The perfection of unity. This is a deep, deep prayer for me. Unity Sunday is a beautiful time for me because that is a time when we, as fellow believers, uh, are deliberate and intentional about crossing those traditional boundaries that have separated, separated us, We're in, 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 and, and we want to build bridges toward those things that will certainly unite us. I'll be honest with you and confess to you today that for me, building bridges and crossing boundaries is a challenging task in a world that is so divided, destructive, and diabolical. Glenn Singleton wrote a book entitled Courageous Conversations About Race. In his book, he identified four things people must do in order to courageously deal with racism and attack it at its root. Singleton states, when you confront racism, you must speak your truth. What is your particular personal encounter with racism? your personal experience. He says, experience the discomfort. Things will be uncomfortable. 
and the truth may hurt, and that's for everyone. He says, stay engaged. Although things may get rough and wrench us out of our comfort zone, we must stay at it and persevere. Expect and accept non-closure. In other words, the problem won't be solved overnight. There's always going to be work to do and we can never sing satisfied or think we have arrived. I believe that Singleton's approach is a great model for us. It's a great model for us to utilize when we are dealing with the unity in the church and the perfection of unity in the body of believers. When it comes to unity, or the perfection of unity in the church, the question is, what is your truth? What is your reality concerning unity? Are you part of the problem or part of the solution? Are you striving to cross boundaries? Are you striving to build bridges and connect on common ground? Or are you hiding behind the boundaries and refusing to cross the bridge? What comfort are you experiencing concerning unity in the church? Does division and disunity among folks who say they love the Lord make you uncomfortable? Does social status, economics, political affiliation, race, age, gender, denomination, and the like, that cause church folks to discriminate and destroy unity? Does that make you sick to your stomach and cause discomfort? Are you committed to unity in the church despite opposition? Are you going to stay engaged despite the discomfort, distractions, and discouragements against unity until unity is achieved? Are you still committed to pressing on toward the mark of the high calling in Christ Jesus? To pursue unity and secure peace among all believers despite the challenges and obstacles before us, you will have them in this world. But what drives us is the love of God and the sure promises of scripture that says that if we do it God's way, and we stay focused and centered on the power and truth of the scripture, we will be successful. Are you willing to accept the fact that the perfection of unity within the church will not be complete on this side? Are you willing to accept the fact that our issue of a perfect union among believers is a lifelong pursuit 
And it won't happen overnight because we are all works in progress. We all got our issues. We all got our thorns in the flesh. And if you don't think so, God has a way of showing you. We must expect the perfection of unity only when Christ returns or when our corruptible bodies have put on incorruption. But that doesn't mean, my beloved, that doesn't mean we don't keep striving to perfect unity within us and, a consist, and, and consistently demonstrate a unified front concerning the gospel of Jesus Christ. God never lowers the standard. He says, live up, live up to the standard. And even though it may not be achieved here, God does not let us off the hook. We've got to keep pressing on. Despite the challenges from the world, Satan, and despite the challenges within our own heart. I don't know about you, but you know who I have the most trouble with and who plagues me the most? You know who I can't stand sometimes, makes me sick to my stomach, and makes me want to just say some things I shouldn't? You know who is the most... Messed up dude I know is the guy up under my hat. Well, I don't have a hat, but the guy up under this gray hair. <laughs> my brothers and sisters, we are living in between the tension of the already and not yet. the already, and not yet. We are truly complete and unified as one in the body of Christ. Every believer in Christ is one with him and one with each and every other, other believer, whether we like it or not. That is our present spiritual reality and our present position in Christ. Whether you like it or not, I am your brother. I got to love you. I'm going to love you and you can't do nothing about it. That's the way God has set it up. And we come from different walks of life. Different backgrounds, different educational levels, different experiences, different families, different political views. We choose this and we choose that. And we have our own idiosyncrasies and our own character defects and our own this and our own that and our own families and our own likes and dislikes and all of that. But those are secondary issues and those should not be what divide us. We must unite and keep the main thing the main thing. I am your brother and you are my brothers and sisters and that's the way God's got it. Amen. 
And if you don't like diversity, which God has made, the church is not for you. And you don't want to go to heaven. Because there's going to be every race, every kindred, every tongue. Everybody will be there from different walks of life. To God be the glory that his love transcends all of that pettiness. Sin has done a work on us. That's kept us bickering and fighting. It boils down to sin. We got a sin problem. But as the song said, nothing but the blood that washes away sins. Nothing but the blood that gives us hope and gives us an open access to grace and to mercy and the ability to love and embrace one another despite those things and we can rejoice and see the manifold grace of God working in and through each other. That's our present reality, the already, but the not yet. In practice, in flawless perfection, in, in, in experience, in full realization and in in, 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 in in harmony, we're not there yet. We got a long way to go. Not where we used to be, but we're not there. We still got a lot of work to do. We're all still striving for unity to come to full fruition. We're always awaiting and anticipating our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ to complete his work in us and to make us truly one without spot or wrinkle. We have a responsibility and we are involved and we participate in the sanctification process in our taking responsibility for our actions and doing the best we know how to grow, to learn, to surrender, to repent. But the ultimately decisive factor is God's grace and mercy. Thank you, Jesus, that we're not going to give up because he won't give us up. Thank you, Lord, that he doesn't ultimately leave it in our hands because if, we, if he did, if he did, I can't speak for you, I'll speak for myself. I'd have thrown in the towel a long time ago. Can I let you in on a secret? I have thrown in the towel. I threw it and said, I'm done. Lord picked it up and threw it back at me. <laughs> he said, you ain't done, dude. Well, the spirit didn't say it like that, but you know what I'm saying. Nevertheless, until that day comes, my brothers and sisters, we are obligated to strive for the perfection of unity within the universal body of Christ. God's thumbprint, and God is represented everywhere. In the United States, in California, New York, Tennessee, down there in Florida, New Jersey, uh, Canada, 
South America, Afghanistan, Jerusalem. God is everywhere, and he's represented everywhere. And that's just the kind of God we serve. We are to pursue unity. We are to proclaim unity, and we are to practice unity. Our text today gives us a blueprint on how the perfection of unity shall be accomplished within the body of Christ by Christ's sovereign mercy and grace. The perfection of our unity, beloved, will be accomplished by Christ's prayer. He says, verse 20, my prayer is not for them alone, talking about those that were with him as disciples, as apostles. He's praying for them. Please pray for me. Thank you. But if you don't, the Lord is praying. That's what counts. And he, he has prayed and he continues to pray or make intercession for us on the right hand of the Father. He says, my prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. And when Christ prays, he gets results. The Father honors the Son, and the Son honors the Father, and, 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 and his prayer will be answered, and it'll be successful, and it lets us know that the message that will be given will be impactful and effective, and it will go out and not return void. There will be those later on down the road, he says, that will believe in the message. Because the word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword, cutting going in and cutting out. It is not sown in vain. He says that they will believe. I pray for those down the road, you and me, and those that shall come after us. Because God has a master plan, a sovereign plan that shall not be thwarted. That all of them may be one Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. The Father's in the Son and the Son is in the Father. But I like it, he says, but that they also may be in us. Father is in the Son, the Son is in the Father, but they are in us. Wow. You mean in me? A crazy dude like me, I've not always been a preacher. I've done a lot of things. <laughs> Let me share some of them with, with you. Well, you first, you share some of yours. <laughs> I'll forget about it. But you know where I'm coming from. We all have our history in our closet. But despite that, God is in us. The Father and the Son, Holy Spirit. Jesus prays for that. So, we are one as we represent Christ in displaying the gospel message, for he 
and the Father are in us and we are in them. The perfection of unity. The perfection of our unity will also be accomplished by Christ's power. His prayer and his power. Verse 22 to 23a, he says, I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me. He's given us the glory. What is the glory? I ask, what is the glory, Lord, that you've given? The glory is his revealed presence. Because at the outset, he says, I've given them their word, your word, your word is truth. They have accepted that. That is the glory God has given us. His revealed presence, his spirit, his word, his gifts, his love, his peace, his power, his praise. That is the glory given. And, I, and John Piper said it best. When God reveals to us his glory, it is the most loving thing he can do. To be able to know him intimately, to be able to cross those boundaries and to, and to build those bridges all based upon the knowledge of Jesus Christ, the revelation of the truth, the enlightenment of the true and living God, to see his magnificence, his omnipresence, his omnipotence, his self-sufficiency, his ever-presentness. God has revealed to us his glory, his success. That's what motivates us. Yes. That they may be one. That they may be one as we are one. That we all speak the same thing. Feel the same ways. One voice. One baptism. One mediator. Despite all of those things that we don't like to accept. I, I'll talk about That I don't want to accept. And I say, a lot of times, God and I battle and we struggle. I say, boy, you know what, Lord? I, if you just stay out of it, I can do some things. But that's that flesh. And I got to go back to the fact of the matter that when we do it God's way and that when we, 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 we unite on what is true and what is right, not what we think, but based upon the revelation of Christ, what he says, what he commands, and the joy of the salvation and the victory that we walk in, all based upon who he is and what he's all about. Despite culture and popularity, he's given us his glory that we can unite and be as one and walk in the power and embrace unity. So the perfection of our unity, my brothers and sisters, is accomplished by Christ's prayer. It is accomplished by Christ's power. 
We have no power. The power is in him. And he works in and through us. For the perfection of our unity is also accomplished by Christ's purpose. He has a plan. He has a goal. He has a purpose. Now finish it out. He says, so that they may be brought to complete unity. We know it's going to be ultimately fulfilled on the other side, but, but we need to be consistent, mature, complete, perfecting. That they may be brought, that's the purpose, into complete unity based upon word, based upon truth, based upon I'm praying for them and interceding for them. I've given them the power and the victory in Jesus through the power and working of the Holy Spirit. They have my glory. But they need to be working toward fulfilling my purpose. And that purpose is we all got to come together and be one. Stop pointing the finger and judging and condemning and criticizing and backbiting that everybody does because of our flesh. But we have to take responsibility for it. We have to make decision. Would you rather have God mad at you or your people mad at you? I choose to have folk mad at me. So I'm going to try to do it God's way. And whether people like it or not, it's going to be challenging, but God will bless and he will reward. But the purpose is complete unity, but it doesn't stop there. The perfecting of our unity is not complete, but it is being perfected as we grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord. The purpose and goal of perfecting and consistent. Uh, the I'm sorry, the, the purpose and goal of the perfecting and consistency of our unity is so the world may know that Christ was sent by the Father and we are sent by Christ. And God's love, and God loves us all with a perfect love so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. The same love that God the Father loves the Son, he loves us the same way. Wow. You mean the same unconditional agape or agape love that the Father loves the Son with, that same love is toward us? Oh, no way, no way, nuh-uh. Jesus is perfect and he's sinless and how can that be? I don't understand it. I do know that the Bible says that while we were yet sinners and enemies, Christ died for us. I brought nothing to the table. I was actively engaged in fighting and, and, and opposing the Lord, but in spite of that, he paid the price. And I cannot wrap my head around that kind of love. To give your only begotten son? I got two sons. Anybody want them? Just, no. 
I got two. And I say to some, one of them one time, boy, if I can kill you and bring you back, I'd do it. <laughs> but I love my children. Mamas love their children. And if you only got one, I got five. And I have a special connection with each of them. Whether they reciprocate or not, it doesn't matter. But to sacrifice them for a good friend eh, or grandchildren, how about that? I don't know, but sacrifice them for somebody, well, you know, that they're good and perhaps, you know, maybe so. But to sacrifice a son for an enemy, for somebody that doesn't care anything about me, that somebody that hates me, that somebody... I can't do that. But God did it. And that kind of love transcends human understanding. But God has given us that love in our hearts. And that's the love that ought to motivate us and drive us and be applied in everything we do. When people see that love, and when people see the unity completed and consistent in our fellowship, no matter where you go, then people will wake up and say, wow, the Father did send the Son. Wow, Jesus is Lord and Savior. Wow, what kind of love is this? Wow, what makes you tick? Why do you do such things? How can you embrace Somebody who talks about you. How can you embrace somebody that has stabbed you in the back? How can you embrace? And God has all these folk, a motley crew in his body, loving on each other, embracing each other, sharing with other, each other, fellowshipping, eating, visiting, doing all this and that. And they are diametrically opposed, but, but they know that that, 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 that we are his disciples by our love one for another. It is the agape love and the power of the spirit that moves, motivates, and is attractive and draws people to the gospel. And they say, wow, you must be a Christian. So that is the challenge. That is the perfection of unity. And that's what we all must strive for. It's going to be accomplished through Christ's prayer, his power, and his purpose. What are you prepared to do with that? And how? How will you love someone that is not like you? We unite on the gospel and the love that God has demonstrated toward us. And we keep on keeping on. Now, would you like me to sing or just go and sit down? I'll sit down. God bless you. Thank you so much. And I appreciate this fellowship and your prayers. God bless you. And thank you. Amen.